a podcast where we journey through the weekly Torah portion and glean parenting insights along the way. Personally, I am I am Sasha, the Catalyst, your host. I've been on this parenting journey for the past 25 years. Well, in truth, most of my life. But I am just on a quest now to learn all I can about being the best parent I can be to my physical children, my own inner child, as well as my spiritual children, using God as the perfect template for parenting. It Sorry about the background noise. My kids are awake and um, watching TV, but my youngest is getting a little impatient with my process this morning. So anyway, it is my heart that my hindsight from, you know, 25 years of trial and error and lots of mistakes, it's my heart that my hindsight can become your insight. So let's learn together. Uh, This week we're studying Parsha Vayishlach. Vayishlach in Hebrew means, and he sent Uh, We're in Genesis chapter 32, verse 4 through chapter 36, verse 43. We left Vayetze last week with Jacob, his two wives, two concubines, one daughter, 11 sons, and a partridge in a pear tree, (laughs) heading home to face Esau with a promise from God that he will be with them, and he is asking them to return home. So um, if you remember correctly, Jacob is terrified because Esau threatened his life the last time he saw him. So this is an interesting, um, well, I just wonder, I'm going to ask you, if God asked you to go home to your murderous brother, would you take the call and go home? Or would you uh, head the other direction? I know the prophet Jonah definitely headed the other direction when he didn't like the instructions once. So anyway, Vayishlach picks up with um, in Aliyah 1 with D- Jacob dispatching Mal- uh, Mal- Malachim, is how that's pronounced in Hebrew, Malachim, um, to Esau to determine his state of mind. What's a Mal- what are Malachim? Uh, Malachim could be messengers, like human messengers, or it could be angels. Um, but the point is that he basically sent them on a reconnaissance mission to check out Esau and his camp and see if he was still in a murderous state of mind or if he was, um, or if he was like, you know, happy to see him or, you know, laying, burying the hatchet and ready to reconcile. So, um, they return back to Jacob with a report that he is coming with an army. No, they didn't say army. They say a host of 400. So, um, you know, you, it's still not really that good of information. Jacob has to decide if the host of 400 is an army because he's still interested in murdering him or if the host of 400 is a party ready to welcome him home with, you know, open arms. So just in case, J- Jacob obviously decides um, that his his brother is still a little murderous feeling and so he splits the camp into two two groups so that way at least one of them will survive. Now, um, notice that his nonverbal, his choice, his actions are saying volumes about what he is thinking at the moment, right? So um, that's kind of our theme this week is how the nonverbals, um, we're kind of, we're on a series right now. Last week we started the series. Yeah, for those of you just joining us, sorry, last week we started a series about communication um, we're going to continue talking about communication for the next couple of weeks. I have a wonderful free resource for you at the end of this podcast um, in the show notes that I would love for you to check out that will help 
Hope it's designed to help you clean up your own communication with your children. I mean, the tool could actually work for you and anybody else you're in a relationship with. But since this is a parenting podcast, the the focus of the worksheet is definitely on for you and a relationship with one of your children. So um, before I get too far ahead of myself, Aaliyah, in the second Aaliyah, Jacob sends a very generous gift to Asa ahead of him. Um, let's. I'm going to read that for you. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 female sheep, 20 rams, 30 camels that are nursing with their young. So camels in ancient times are kind of like, um, I'd probably put them in the category of like a minivan basically or a, a nice car maybe. Um, so he sends 20 cars basically in today's terminology with their babies, which are future cars, right? 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 male donkeys. And then he and his immediate family cross the Jabbok, the stream, and he, then he's, or I'm sorry, then his immediate family crosses the Jabbok, the stream, and then he's left alone on the other side, and he wrestles through the night with uh, a man or an angel, we're not sure, and then just as dawn breaks, he he insists on being blessed by this angel or man or whoever, and gets a new name, Israel. <clears throat> in the third Aaliyah, Jacob finally parades himself in with his family in front of his brother. He starts with the, the maidservants and the son of the maidservants, or the concubines, maidservants and concubines are the same thing. Um, so he's, he parades them first, then Leah and her children, and then he leaves Rachel and Joseph in the safety of the rear guard. And uh, at first glance, I had to ruminate on this this on the third Aaliyah for quite a while this week because I was a little disturbed about the the favoritism that Esau or that Jacob is showing to his children again because he puts all the concubines out front with their children like they're not as important possibly. So anyway, um, but the more I th- and and I'm thinking to myself, well, after all the problems he grew up with having favoritism in his family. Right? Why would he choose to do that to his own children? Um, and that's a question we should be asking ourselves. If we were, ra- if I was raised with something, a belief system, an attitude, an action that I didn't care for, or I didn't really like the effects of it on my family that I grew up with, my my family of origin, then I need to to work all that much harder to not recreate that pattern in my new family. Because if you, if I'm left on my default setting, I'm most likely to just do it without realizing it. So, um, so I ruminated on this for a while and then it struck me that, um, Joseph is actually the youngest child also, and I bet he's not really big enough to defend himself just yet. Um, my hunch is that the maidservants and their children are probably doing a lot more of the manual labor in the family as well. Again, probably not so much to do with favoritism as it has to do with the fact that they're maidservants. And so they're servants of the family instead of um, actual children. So anyway, so yeah, the, he basically puts the strongest and the the toughest guys out front and then protects the smaller, weaker children behind them. He's greeted with a hug instead of a war, which is awesome, He's which is not what he expected. Um, in the fourth Aaliyah, Jacob and Asa make peace. And part ways, Jacob goes on to Sukkoth and Esau returns to Seir. In the fifth Aaliyah, we interrupt this story with a tale of Dina and um, the whole thing, the whole debacle with Shechem. So 
Um, God ends up then speaking to Jacob at the end of the Aliyah, reassuring him of the covenant and calls him back to Bethel, which is the site of his dreams from la- uh, last week's Parsha and the future site of the temple. Then we move on to the sixth Aliyah. Rachel ends up dying along the road to Bethlehem, which is called Ephrath back then, um, during childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin. And Benjamin is the only patriarch in the Torah born in, or in this week's Parsha out of this family that is born in the promised land. Jacob and Esau meet with Isaac, who is 180 years old, and he passes away and they bury him. And I found myself wondering too, just like curiosity, why did Jacob, um, why did Isaac go out of his way to give the firstborn blessing 20 years ago before Esau left home when he ended up living 20 more years and he could have given the blessing at this juncture in their lives instead of 20 years earlier? Um, I'm not sure what that was all about. And I don't, I didn't, um, I didn't look into the commentary to see if they had an answer either. So. But it's also important to note that the genealogy of Esau is listed then at the end of the sixth Aliyah and the whole entire seventh Aliyah of this week's Parsha. Now, I bring up the genealogy of Esau not because it, well, because it helps support my point that the way we communicate with other people is actually multifaceted. We communicate with our words, we communicate with our nonverbals, and we also communicate with the things that we are paying attention to. So, um, for, I have one child who has an open G center, so he needs a lot of reassurance and a lot of um, time spent with him in order for him to feel valuable. And so when he, uh, yeah, he spells love, P-L-A-Y, and <laughs> I spell love with, like, ni- say nice things to me, and he spells love, P-L-A-Y, with me. So um, anyway, and there's nothing wrong with that. We spell love differently. And uh, meaning we have different love languages, but um, for him, the things that I pay attention to, the things I spend my time doing, say a lot about what is important to me, to him. Um, and so it's really important to be cognizant of that um, for myself in my own parenting journey, that I may be unintentionally communicating um, that something else is more important than me by the th- the amount of time I'm spending doing it. Which, oh my gosh, if you want a little reality check, go into your phone settings. And I looked in there the other day and it said I spent five hours on Instagram, I think over the course of a week, I hope. I don't know, maybe that was in a day. Maybe it was in a month. I don't know. Either way, that sounds like a lot of time. Doesn't that sound like a lot of time? Five hours, oh my word. So, um, speaking of time, by the way, a few years ago, I wanted to tell you this story. A few years ago, my boys were like, like they were saying comments about, my older boys were saying comments about like that they didn't want to do that because they don't have to work or whatever. And that they're just, they're in school, so they don't have to work, they kept saying. And then I finally asked them one day, I'm like, what do you mean you don't have to work? And they're like, well, you don't have to work. And I'm like, no, 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 I do work. (laughs) Wait a minute, what do you mean? So um, prior to the, this conversation, I was, was in the habit of trying to, use the real estate of 24 hours um, wisely and that way when the kids were awake I would not do work and I would do my work mostly in the mornings or at night after they'd gone to bed and so then I learned from my children that wow they don't think I work because they never see me doing it I'm an entrepreneur I've been in business for myself for like 12 years now and they don't if they don't see me doing it they don't think I'm working at all 
Of course, I had to explain to them that homeschooling is also my vocation at the moment. <clears throat> it doesn't pay very well, by the way. <laughs> well, it pays in non-monetary value. Um, lots of hugs, lots of wonderful conversations, lots of opportunity to train, uh, to train them in the way that they will go. Um, so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. But uh, definitely not a lot of monetary compensation for homeschooling. Uh, but I do love it. Anyway, uh, so I wanted to draw your attention to the fact that, you know, uh, one-seventh of this week's Parsha, a little more than one-seventh of this week's Parsha, is dedicated to the genealogy of Esau, which is um, is God's way of saying, this is important to me. I'm going to take up some valuable real estate telling you the names, the specific names of all of Esau's children and grandchildren, because I want you to know who they are. So, um, and so that some, again, just as a, I, what I got from that was that the things that we pay attention to are also communicating priority. Okay. Um, this Parsha also may be the first serious, like peacemaking between, between two warring brothers. So, um, Yeah. And I also wanted to point out, look, I also noticed and with curiosity how much humility, humility it took for Jacob to return to his brother, not knowing if he was going to still murder him or not and approach reconciliation. I mean, it's a huge amount of humility. Uh, one could say that Jacob was bribing Asa into not killing him with all those gifts, but, um, but more on that in just a second, because we really see Jacob maturing, um, especially in this week's Parsha. He left home 20 years ago as an impatient, horny, scared, naive young man, and he returns home as a wise partner in the leadership of a family. So he's really grown up into a man while he was gone. So again, before we chalk off all those gifts to bribery, is it possible that Jacob knows the love language of his brother Esau is giving gifts? I mean, I don't know if you've heard of these five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman, Um, but love languages are basically like regular languages. So my primary language is English, right? I took four years of French in high school. I don't remember very much of it. Two semesters of Spanish in college. I don't remember a whole lot of that either. And I am currently studying Hebrew. Um, I don't know any Russian at all. So if we were in the middle of the Red Square in Russia, right, um, in Moscow, this is the example that Dr. Chapman puts in his book, Uh, right? And somebody spoke in, you know, there's a crowd of people speaking Russian around me. I wouldn't know a word of what they're saying. I wouldn't be able to understand any of it. But if someone, you know, like a half a block away shouted something to me in English, I would pick that up out of all that background noise and I would hear it and translate it. I would understand its meaning immediately. So um, that's what a love language is like. We all have the capacity to speak in all five love languages. So the acts of service, quality time, receiving gifts, words of affirmation, and physical touch. So um, if you aren't familiar with the five love languages, there's a best-selling book by Dr. Gary Chapman about it. You can look it up on his website and learn more information there. Um, I just wanted to draw your attention to the five love languages because Um, Each of us has the capacity to speak in all five love languages, but we tend to have one that we're very fluent in. And it is our job as parents to find out which one our children speak in the most and try to speak in that language as much as possible. Um, Just as a a little tip from Dr. Gary Chapman's book, uh, all children need a good healthy dose of all five love languages. 
up until they're about five or six years old when they start to develop an affinity for one. And you can kind of tell which one is their favorite because that's the one they usually attack with first <laughs> when they are mad. So anyway, um, but there's I have a little nugget about that in a resource, a free resource I have for you available to, this week. It's in the show notes. Um, you can download it and use it to interpret um, some of the giftings in your relationship with your children. I do have a question for my listeners. Did you know there are literally three deaf gates in the human design chart? Now, these deaf gates don't make people like literally deaf, but they do make an extraordinary difference in the ability for the person with a deaf gate to receive information, especially when they haven't asked for it. So, um, if you haven't yet subscribed to my human design newsletter, please do because I will also be sharing over there what, where these three deaf gates are. And um, and again, you'll want to download my free PDF with the communication tips so you can begin to tailor your communication with your child based on your chart and your child child's chart. Um, because there really is no one-size-fits-all formula for communication between two people. There are lots of general tips, but there's no one formula that works for all relationships at all times. Um, which is also why I don't believe that there's only one way that God speaks to people. It's just not possible. The God who created us, created us with our unique energetic needs and had us born at the specific location and time that we were born for a reason. And so it's just, it's beyond fathomable that he would try to talk to all people in the exact same way, knowing that he made us with these massive differences in our energetic makeup. So anyway, so yes, it's fascinating to me to look then to take a peek inside that human design chart and look energetically at my child and go, how can I best communicate with this child in a way that they can hear me and and understand what I'm saying? And then how do I need to communicate my needs to the child too. Again, the relationship isn't based on my needs, but eventually they grow into an understanding that communication and this relationship is a two-way street. And so I do believe that teaching children to respect their parents in a way that honors the parent for who they are is really setting them up for more a more successful partnership relationship in their future as well. Learning to see the other person not just as for what can I get from you, but what can I also contribute to this relationship. So again, communication relationships are two-way streets. Um, anyway, that's all I have for today. I hope you download the PDF. It's gonna, like I said, it's just a quick easy, free resource to help you see the chart and interpret the results for yourself, both your chart and the child's chart. I hope it's a great resource for you. Please do not hesitate to ask questions if you run into any trouble. Um, I really prefer to manage my online presence in a personal one-on-one fashion as often as possible. So you're always welcome to email me your questions or you can set up a human design reading and we can go over it together in a lot more depth and um, and, and personal touch. So um, anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, shalom. May the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob bless you with clear communication this week as well as health and peace. Shalom.